Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and 30-day free trial at www.audibletrial.com slash bookgeeksunc. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. For you, the listeners of Book Geeks Uncompromised, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. And the book I want to recommend to you today is called The Lives of Tao. I think I'm pronouncing that right because I wanted to call it Tao for the longest time. I don't know. <laughs> and I think the audiobook actually says Tao. Uh, but it's a cool science fiction, I want to say spy kind of book because it is about two secret alien organizations trying to take over the Earth, each thinking they have the right way to do it. And it's about a kid who gets dragged into it pretty much definitely go check that out audiobook is fantastic i enjoy the whole series though i never finished the third book um mostly due to laziness <laughs> to download your free audiobook today go to audibletrial.com slash bookgeeksunc that is audibletrial.com slash bookgeeksunc for your free audiobook Welcome to Book Geeks Uncompromised. The entire series. I don't know what it was about this book. I just, I loved it so much. How do I know more about it than you do? And it's your number I'm one book. I'm bad with names, okay? Spoiler, <laughs> Scott. And we are ready for some reading. When in doubt, be lame. Everyone buckle up. <laughs> Welcome to Book Geeks Uncompromised, where we make reading less solitary. This is episode 64, where we will be discussing A Time of Dread by John Gwynn. I am Danny, and I am joined by my co-host, Greg. Yay, I'm Greg. You are Greg. I am Greg. Did you see it this week? I saw a lot of things this week. Did you see the teaser trailer for the Harry oh, Potter the, mobile the game? the Harry Potter mobile game, yeah. I'm interested to hear about that, because th- when we first talked about it, I thought it was a, like like Pokemon Go kind of walk around game, but it doesn't look like it. I think before we didn't have any information on it, so the speculation was that it was going to be a Pokemon oh. Go like game because I think the same people that produced Pokemon Go, yeah, yeah, they're making this Harry Potter mystery game too. Hmm. Okay. No. See, and that's that's why I remember we were talking about it. That's what I thought it was going to be. It still looks really cool. It's funny enough, the graphics look like PlayStation 2 graphics. They do. I mean, it's a mobile. mobile game. It's yeah. a mobile game. That's yeah. not me knocking on it. That's just because there's a lot of PS2 games I love. That was one thing I thought, too, though, was, you know, that kind of looks like the Harry Potter and the Sorcerer scene when the movie came out, the movie tie-in game. Right. <laughs> Which I own. <laughs> Just graphically. Uh, I don't I don't know. I'm interested to see I'll what play it, it is. Uh, one thing I do, and this is just a trailer. Obviously, it could be totally different by the time it comes out. Which did it give a date? I don't no, think it did. There's no date. I think it just you can pre-register soon. for it on the Google Play Store, which I did. <laughs> um, one thing I did see in trailer was choose your house, which I hope they have like an option to randomly put you in. Oh, not randomly, but take the test. Yeah, because I, I prefer that. But if it isn't, oh well, I'll just stick with my Hufflepuff like usual. So <laughs> I like me, me's a Hufflepuff. I love it. All right. Unfortunately, Edward yeah. from Twilight's part of it, but yeah. Yeah, but Cedric Diggory's better than Edward. Cedric Diggory is a lot better. Anyways, no, it looks more like a mystery. Yeah, but I'm it does. not sure what the mystery is. I, I don't know if it's a mystery or if it's going to be you're just going to school. Because it, because it, it to me it looked like it's just you're going to school and maybe there's extra stuff going on at the school yeah. with it, but. I don't know if it'll be a linear game or if it'll be. I don't know. It's it's. There's a lot of speculation right now. We don't know when it's coming out. Yeah. It still looks like they've gotten quite a bit done for it not to have a release date yet. True, true. So they're probably pretty close. Um, speaking of awesome things, because that is awesome and excited for it, I got somebody into Mistborn. 
Nice. He's at least started it. Co-worker is that just like a weekly goal? Like get one person to read a Brandon Sanderson book? There is actually the girl that uh, borrowed. I say girl, I mean woman um, who borrowed uh, Way of Kings and uh, Words of Radiance from me. She has went and bought Oathbringer. Nice. She's reading it now. So she's like, I'm at this part. And I was like, I read that months ago. I don't really remember that part, <laughs> but I'm sure it's awesome. <laughs> Um, but a buddy of mine, because Nicholas Eames uh, tweeted this week a picture of both of his cover arts uh, for Kings of the Wild and Bloody Rose, uh, I comment on there saying, ah, new new backgrounds, and they are. The, my lock screen is Kings of the Wild and Bloody Rose is my home screen. And a buddy of mine at work saw those, and he was like, oh, those look cool. What is that? And I started telling him about Kings of the Wild, <laughs> and he asked me, he was like, so if somebody wanted to get into fantasy books, what would you recommend? My first thought was, I tell everybody about Way of Kings. I should tell them that. And I went, no, that's like that's a lot. 1,500 pages. That's a bit much for starting off. Because um, he likes books, but he's not he's not into it like we are as much. Uh, so I recommended Mistborn. Because it's a smaller series, not as crazy and intricate. Really cool story with really cool powers. So pretty happy he started right. reading it he like got it the next day on audible and, nice. and was listening to it so <laughs> he's like who's this guy kelsier sounds really cool what's this what's and i'm like i know so many things yeah i went to lunch with a friend of mine today and we used to read a lot of the same books but just over time kind of our tastes kind of diverged a little bit right um as as it happens and so we were talking it's been a while since we had gotten together she was like so have you read any books by sarah j mass I have. <laughs> Unfortunately. <laughs> it's like, and I'm going to break your heart. I didn't like a single one of them. Oh, <laughs> that's <Yeah>. sad. <laughs> Did you find anything else at least or just? Um, I'm getting her to read Illuminae. Ooh, there you go. Very good. So, Very good. There's that. There is that. That would, uh, that's, a, that's a good one to start on. And just a small side note, because I'm still head over heels for d and I got somebody watching that. So. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> and it's awesome because, well, is she slower at watching it than I am? So that I was, so she's like maybe going an episode a day and it's mm-hmm. driving me crazy. Cause she'd be like, Hey, this cool part happened. And I'm like, I know what's happening next. And I want to tell you that you're about to come on a really good point. That's how quickly quote unquote, right. I would be reading. That's the speed at which yeah. I would be watching them. Right. So <laughs> I would drive you just as crazy. You would. And I would see you more often. So, <laughs> uh, but you won't watch them cause you don't like me. I understand. It's fine. All right, well, we got some news. We got some news. Right. We'll move on. Because, no, All I'm right. not going to watch Critical Role. Oh. I'll let you put it on my TV when you're over. And Sweet. That's I'm about, that's about, and, and I'll do other things <laughs> while you're watching. All right. Okay. News. No, there are actually several TV series adaptations Ooh, this week. Um, I like this. One, Terry Pratchett's Discworld is getting another adaptation. I guess it's had a few because there are so many books in that series. Oh, yeah. Um, and I couldn't tell, again, because I haven't read these books, I couldn't tell if this was based off of a specific book or mm. not i think it is but it's titled the watch and it looks like it's going to be six one hour episodes and it's being produced by bbc hmm okay i think bbc's done the past ones that have been done in the business done in the discord as well uh also with discworld's what over 40 books something like something that something like that yeah, a lot a ridiculous amount i see I, and i never understood whether they were all one current storyline or if they were all like same characters or if it was like, okay, these five books are in the same story. Then you kind of skip ahead so many years. These books are in the story. Is, is that how it is? Or I don't know. We should look into that. We should. As, as, or as somebody book should people. let us know. Yeah, that too. I like that as well. If you've as, read Discord, let us know how the series works. Is it all one plot line, <laughs> one character set? 
Because I think uh, 40 books, I don't think we're going to tackle that on here. <laughs> uh, that is a lot. It is quite a bit. That would be years. Uh, the other two that were announced, mm-hmm. and Amazon is a busy little bee because mm-hmm. they're doing Lord of the Rings. Yeah. They're doing a Snow Crash adaptation. Mm-hmm. And they're also trying to do a Wheel of Time and a Dark Tower TV series adaptation. Ooh. Holy cow, Amazon. They're trying. They're trying That's to be, a lot. They're trying to beat Netflix. They're like, if we adapt everything, one of them is going to be the next Game of Thrones. <laughs> one, one will hit off and we'll <laughs> defeat that Netflix. Yes. The evil Netflix. Um, so Dark okay. Tower, we already knew Dark Tower was going to be a TV series. Yeah. That was announced back before the movie came out. A while back, yeah. But I think the TV series was originally supposed to be a spinoff, but because the movie did so Bomb poorly, so hard, yeah. it's going to be a complete reboot. Oh, yeah. Which is good. That Maybe maybe people like our friend Charlie will feel better about it then. I don't know if Idris Elba is still going to be in it. I know he was originally going to be in it. Yeah. I would imagine he is. I would hope so, yeah. Oh, I mean, I don't say I hope so. I didn't see the movie because I hated the book. So, which I can't say that too loud because Charlie is in the building next to us. And if, I, I swear, even if we whisper the word Dark Tower, uh, he'll come busting in and going, what did you say? He will. He, he will. And then Wheel of Time. Uh, that's that another one, long one. That's a very, yeah, 14 book series. See, and that's a completed series. It is. So it, it takes care of your fear of True. a TV series overtaking a True. book series. So that might be okay. And didn't Brandon Sanderson help finish he writing? finished the last three because then yeah three I, knew, or four. I knew the author had passed away and i know mm-hmm. sanderson helped finish those so yep a uh, good enough reason for me sanderson proved <laughs> so i'm just kidding yeah i've read the first three and i intend to go on with the series i just got sidetracked with other things like a podcast well i mean i've been reading them since we started the podcast but you mm. know the whole t- uh, no and i have wanted to i've wanted to dive into discworld i've wanted to dive into wheel of time just because those are our big series and that's if if it's a story i enjoy I like that because then that means that's a lot of story mm-hmm. to enjoy, and I get more of it, and that and that that kind of stuff. I love big series like that because it just means I keep getting content. That's one of the reasons I loved Harry Dresden so much. That's uh, one of the reasons I enjoy Critical Role so much is because there is well over probably going on five hundred hours now mm-hmm. of content of that show, and it's just it's just I can constantly watch something. With the Wheel of Time one, I wonder if it would end up being something like they have done with Game of Thrones where they ended up splitting up the books really? in the seasons. Yeah. Because, I don't know, I feel like Wheel of Time could be, like some of the books could be condensed some. So I would hope that each book would be able to constitute its own season. Right. Yeah, they don't really have the author to consult, so... <laughs> you get Brandon Sanderson. You could get Brandon Sanderson. I vote for Brandon Sanderson. <laughs> Just because I want more people... See, here's the idea. They consult Brandon Sanderson on it. They love his ideas, and the movie industry likes him more, so they get more of his books made. Because I don't think he's had any books made in TV shows or movies yet. No. No, rights have been sold. Yeah, rights have been that, sold, but nothing's been developed. Soon. I can tell you, I, any of those, any of his books come out in a movie, I will be there first opening night. So, Hopefully. the big news story this week. And this was something that happened, like, the day after we recorded our last episode, or Uh-oh. we would have talked about it last week. Uh-oh. Actually, I'm kind of glad because it took a couple days to fully develop. <laughs> Uh-oh. So, now we have everything. And Is it Harry I, Potter news? No, it's not. Oh, wow. I'm surprised. I'm pretty sure I said something to you about this. Maybe not. Maybe yeah. not. Yeah. Okay. So, I'm referring to this, and several people I've seen refer to this as the good kind debacle. Oh, my gosh. Yes. <laughs> oh, please tell. Yeah. So, uh, Terry Goodkind's most recent book, uh, Shroud of Eternity, is the second book in the Nikki Chronicles, which is sort of a sequel spinoff to his main series, The Sword of Truth. It came out in January, 
like January, like the middle of January, I think, or January 6th, something like that. Mm -hmm. And last Saturday, February 23rd, I believe it was, Mm -hmm. he posted on Facebook that Shroud of Eternity is, and I'm quoting, a great book with a very bad cover. Laughably bad. So he created a Facebook poll for people to vote whether the cover was laughably bad or great. And people should comment on it. And then 10 random people from the commenters would be selected to get a signed hardback copy. Mm. So the first thing I thought when I saw it Mm -hmm. was this is obviously just a blatant thing to get people to buy his book. It's getting people to pay attention to it. It's just publicity. That's all it is. 100%. And I mean, it's so it's so transparent. It is that I, I don't know. I, I guess it might be working. I, I, that's actually one thing I'm interested in is if it actually worked. If people oh, are actually sure. buying his books, oh, if his I'm book sure. sales spiked or not. But what's ob- clearly awful about this also is it completely just shoves under the bus the artist right. that did that artwork. Oh yeah. And h- did you see the cover? Mm-hmm. Okay, so the artwork isn't bad. No, like artistically how it looks is not bad at no, all. No, it may not jump off the shelf. I mean, there's a no. lot of browns and grays in it. Yeah, so yeah. So it may not jump off the shelf. But that's not the artist's that's fault. That's not the artist's fault. That's And I think the artist actually came out and said something about it and basically said, you know, I was given direction. Mm-hmm. The publisher sent me, this is what they want. Mm-hmm. And he's like, and I have to go with what they want. It's right. not, you know, it's not a, I chose to do it that way. That's what they wanted. Right. So artistically, no, it looks fine. It's perfectly fine. You know, you'd see on any fantasy book. Like you said, not jumping off the off the bookshelf for any reason, but it's not bad looking. Yeah, no. I think I think what Terry Goodkind said, and I think he actually came out with like an apology about it quote later unquote, on. Quote unquote, apology. Quote a, unquote. A, it was, you misunderstood me, apology. Exactly. Um, and it was more, I think he said, from what I remember reading, he said something about wh- how the characters looked or what the characters looked like on there didn't fit the characters themselves. Mm-hmm. Which I haven't read the series, so I don't know. Okay, so the title character of that series is Nikki. Mm, Right. And she's kind of known for this black dress that she wears throughout the series. Yeah. So that's not what she's wearing on the cover. Now, I haven't read the Nikki Chronicles, so I don't know firsthand whether she is wearing something different that is more like what's on the cover. Because what's on the cover is more like some like leather armor. Right. And it's not... A provocative armor. No, it's not bad. No. For the most part, honestly, it looks functional. Yeah. Except that she has high-heeled boots. Yeah. That, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, I mean, that's apparently when it comes down to it with all this backlash, that's what he came out and said oh, was God. that it the cover is sexist because she's wearing oh, high-heeled come boots. come on. It's like, okay, you know, it's, yeah, those aren't practical. Yeah, I wouldn't right. say that's sexist, though. I, w- I would say it's not practical, and she most likely would not be wearing those, but not, not sexist. I wouldn't yeah. take it that far. But st- I mean, it just, it blows my mind that for a blatant publicity mm-hmm. fa- stunt, I guess, to try yeah. to get it, more sales, it, it, he would completely throw his artist under the bus mm-hmm. and go completely unprofessional on mm-hmm. it. And he, he said in his, quote, apology that <laughs> he had already said something to the publisher before the book came out that he mm. didn't like the cover. Right. And they went ahead and published it anyway. Yeah. I don't know how true that is, yeah. but that, that's what he said. That's what and he I said. have I have no evidence against it. Right. But nonetheless, yeah. it should have stayed between you and your publisher. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I, yeah. if you should have found a way to do it, if you really felt the need to talk about it, yeah. do it without bashing your artist. Yeah. And he said, because the artist, uh, Bastion <laughs> DeHarm, said basically, nice working with you. 
I'm never gonna yeah. work with you again. I wouldn't. And Terry Goodkind's response on Facebook was, "I've never talked to you before, so whatever." Oh my gosh. Yeah, like what a douche. Like it's, it's like it doesn't matter. He worked for the publishing house that was yeah. in work specifically on yeah. your book. Like well, uh, it's it's and the fact of the matter is, for me, if you know, come out and say the cover's bad, whatever. The artist is understandably upset. I would I'd be upset too if that was my work and the author said that. I think what ticked a lot of people off is that he made a contest about it. Yeah. And now, oh. you know, yeah, his 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 words and what he said were terrible, and he should not have been unprofessional like that. And it was obviously a PR stunt, like you said. Um, but I think for me, that was a tipping point. It was like, okay, you know, whatever, talk your shit. I won't really care. But you're making a contest encouraging other people to talk bad about somebody's work. Well, and then when everything starts to die down, yeah, he goes and posts a video of his dog licking the cover of the book. <sighs> like oh isn't this is he, so funny this it, is so cute isn't he known for being kind of a douche yeah like before this ever yeah. came out he's always been kind of known for that yeah the man that wrote books about dragons and sorceresses yeah. and wizards like those words are in the book says that his books aren't fantasy <laughs> because fantasy books suck <laughs> I'm, I'm paraphrasing that can last we bit, can we yeah. never never read any of his books i don't plan on it i, I don't I, either I've actually thought about ways to work in a good kind rant since we started this podcast. <laughs> you got a reason. I got it. As soon as you yeah. saw that news story, you put two fists in the air and went, yes! yes. <laughs> no, because I started reading the books when I was about 14. Yeah. And looking back, they're not as good as I thought they thought <laughs> right. they were back then. Right. My, me and my naive mind. I mean, and even still, they have steadily declined in quality over We've, the years to the point I'm done reading them. Like I have not read the two Nikki books that are out. Yeah. I haven't read the first confessor. I think I started to, and I just could not get through it. It's it, just at the, at the end of the day and, and see, okay. And I was just about to say at the end of the day, you just don't, you don't need to be unprofessional. But the fact of the matter is, is that I don't think anyone came out and was, it wasn't like a fan thing. I'm going at him going, why is your no. cover horrible? Why it was him coming. Hey guys, look at this. Exactly. So it was that kind of thing. Well, Gosh. And I, and the thing that, you know, it's a publicity thing. The book came out a month and a half before he did this. Right. Yeah. Like, were you not going to say anything when it came out? No, I, I don't know the sales figures for this yeah. book, but I guarantee you they're not where he wants them to be. Oh, so no. he went and made a big splash mm -hmm. to get people looking at his book. So I, oh, yeah. I actually really do want to know if that ended up spiking sure his did. sales. I don't it's, know. Yeah, well, to a point, because I, I'm not going to lie, since I heard this, I was curious what the story's about. Because uh, I wanted to know, mm. not, that doesn't mean I'm going to go buy it, but it did make me go, okay, I'm curious now why he hated it so much. Why does it look different? And I was mm. curious. I'm not going to go get it, especially after hearing all this crap. Yeah. But Well, okay. And then my, my last thing, I guess, is <laughs> all right. this whole, oh, well, I don't like it because it's sexist. Terry, <laughs> Terry. have you read your books? <laughs> oh, Terry. Okay. Terry. Your magic system specifically states uh -huh. that female magic users are inherently weaker than male <laughs> magic users. Do you really want to point fingers about sexism? Oh, gosh. Like, uh, yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> we should probably move on. <laughs> my, you know what? I can end this podcast now. I have had my there very go. good kind of There rant. you go. I, I'm done. It was a great, what, year and a half? Year, yeah, it's been a great 64 episodes. <laughs> Sounds good. Thank you guys so much. For, no. <laughs> Okay. I'm glad I got that off my chest. Woosa. Yeah, I'm that's just that's that's ridiculous. Yeah. Just don't be a douche. Yeah, just don't. Ugh. Okay. When in doubt, we can move on to our when, book review now. When in doubt, just be lame. Just go with that. Just be lame. Just yeah. 
But the Suck good, just the good kind of lame, your, not the bad kind of lame, like Terry Good kinds. Your books are awful, and that's not why. That's why they're not selling. Like <laughs> it's not about the cover art; it's because your book sucks. You know, Danny, I think we just screwed our chance of interviewing him. Hmm. Yeah, darn. <laughs> <laughs> There's a couple of uh, YouTubers and podcasts I've listened to where they've said something about, like, there was one someone trashed IHOP, like on their <laughs> podcast, and one of them went, "Oh darn, guys, now we lost that IHOP sponsorship." <laughs> <laughs> Rat. Dang it. <laughs> okay. We better move on. We should. We should move on. Honestly, we could probably keep going on about this for the rest of the podcast, and we would have so much it fun. It would just evolve into Terry Goodkind's such a douche. It, Isn't he? He really is. Yes. Oh my gosh. And it would be that for the rest of the podcast, and you would probably get bored, so. Okay. Uh, review. We read A Time of Dread by John Gwynn. This John is the first Gwynn. book in uh, of Blood and Bone Gwynn. is the name of the new series. It is a sequel series yes. to The Faithful and the Fallen, which was a four-book series that concluded last year with Wrath. Right. I do want to say before we get into this that A Time of Dread itself does kind of contain some some vague spoilers for the end of the faithful and the fallen series Mm -hmm. it doesn't just go all out and list everything that happened Mm -hmm. but it does contain some yeah so we're gonna try to stay as vague as we possibly can on that but there is kind of going to be a little bit of spoilers for the end of the faithful and the fallen series which you don't have to worry for me because i didn't read it yeah greg did greg read the first book (laughs) i read i read the first book and went not for me (laughs) which is why tonight feels like deja vu weird yeah (laughs) (laughs) okay so the back of the book we're gonna read that Uh, brave the shadows wield the sword a race of warrior angels the benalim once vanquished a mighty demon horde now they rule the banished lands but their peace is brutally enforced in the south hot-headed riv is desperate to join the benalim's peacekeeping force until she unearths a deadly secret in the West, the giantess Sig investigates demon sightings and discovers signs of an uprising in black magic. And in the snowbound North, Drim finds mutilated corpses on a hunting expedition, the work of a predator or something far worse. It's a time of shifting loyalties and world-changing dangers. Difficult choices will need to be made because in the shadows, demons are gathering, waiting for their time to rise. Dun, dun, dun. You know what I find funny? Um, you know, because we, we've been going spoiler-free for a while now. A lot of times when I watch shows or I watch, you know, uh, just about anything where people are talking, uh, I find more people give away spoilers by saying, oh, hey, that, we're spoiler free, remember? Like someone will say something and yeah. go, that's a spoiler. It's like, I wouldn't have known it was a spoiler if you hadn't said, right. hey, that's a spoiler. <laughs> yeah. It would have completely gone over Yeah. Head. I yeah. wouldn't have even thought about it. Yeah. Yeah. So book. So A Time of Dread. Yeah. Um, like I said, this is a sequel series to... Uh, yeah, the, the faithful and the, the fallen. fallen. So the world setup is pretty much the same. If you read that series, if you haven't, I mean, to be as short as possible, it's kind of your basic fantasy fare. It is, yeah, nothing, nothing crazy different about the world itself. Mm-hmm. There's, you know, there were multiple countries. They're now kind of different. The geography is a little bit different after the last book. But you've got your basic humans that, you know, live in their villages and they have their kingdoms. And then you've got uh, the giants, which have their clans off right. on their own. Old, old giants. And, yeah, the giants live, I think, uh, Sig, it mentions she's 700, like 700 years old. 700 years old, yeah. Um, so they live to be quite old. Right. And then their supernatural forces are basically angels and demons. And yeah. The angels are the Benalim. The demons are the Kadashim. And... 
it's exactly the conflict that you'd expect there. Um, yeah. The angels versus yeah, demons. The natural, and the the, yeah, the natural. kind of caught in the middle thing. a little bit. Right. And I have to say one thing, I guess, is kind of a, a benefit towards being a sequel series is that you don't, while you do have to do a little bit of world building and saying, hey, this is where it's been in the gap between mm-hmm. the series, the author doesn't have to put as much work into setting up a world. Because at this point, you already know the world. Except and so for the, you. So no, except for me. That's true, what I was going to ask true. you because you didn't finish the true. first series. Yeah. How was it for you coming into this one not knowing the ending of The Faithful and the Fallen? Um, I can definitely say it It wasn't bad. Um, the best way I can put it is I don't feel there was a whole lot with the world itself, like anything crazy. Because, I mean, it was pretty self-explanatory, like you said. Angel-like characters, demon-like characters, humans caught in the middle. Um, so I don't think that the author would have had to do too much building except for the few short sentences that it says in the description of mm-hmm. the angels fought off uh, the ben Elim fought off uh, the and i you just said it and i can't pronounce it the Kyrus, katashim katashim i was gonna say kirista and i know it's not right <laughs> no it's not <laughs> <laughs> don't know where that came from um but the katashim you know the double type characters it, it, it was I mean, that's a pretty simple explanation enough as it is showing that the angels have now kind of taken over, I guess, or conquered, I guess, like we were talking about before the podcast. I don't I don't think this world really needs to be built very much because I don't think the focus isn't on the world. Mm-hmm. I think the focus is definitely more on the situation. You know how there's a lot of books that focus on the characters. I think this book focuses a lot more on the overall situation going on versus oh, this cool and crazy world that these cool characters are in. I think it's just more of the, oh my God, the angels rule everything. (laughs) Yeah, I felt like the politics in the first series was a little bit more intricate. The relationships between the various countries was a little bit more involved. So the first series did need more world building. Yeah, Um, A Time of Dread really didn't, though. It didn't need it, yeah. The world is kind of really divided in sections. There's, was it Arcona? Not Arcona. Um Mm -hmm. Where the queen, the human queen oh, rules. Um, Arcada? I think so. Maybe. Um, yeah. There's that section, and there's where the Benalim are ruling, mm. and then the most of the giants have kind of gone off. No, the giants are, sorry. The no, giants, yeah, the giants, oh, the are, giants still, are supporting the Benalim. Right. But then there's the Order of the Bright Star. Yeah. Which is kind of separate from everything else, but mm. they really just have the one city. Right. And then everything else is kind of unexplored. Right, right, or right. Or unsettled. Unsettled, like, yeah. Like the desolation. Right. See, I, I don't, like, like I said, I don't think the world needed a whole lot of building. It felt like that wasn't the focus. Right. It wasn't focused too much on the world, more focused on the situation. Yeah. So this book takes place almost exactly 137 yeah. years mm-hmm. after the end of the first series. Right. So it's enough that like several of the giants are still around. Yeah. Like so, Sig. Yeah. Like Sig. Yeah. She was a character in the first series as well. Right. Um, but then a lot of the human characters, several of them are descended from characters in the first series, and it's close enough in time that they know who their descendants are. Mm-hmm, yeah. It's not just, oh, Corbin the Bright Star lived so long ago. <laughs> oh my gosh, who could his descendants possibly be? Oh, it's you, the chosen one. It's not like that. Like Everybody yeah. kind of knows who they're descended from. Kind of kind of reminds me of with Alloy of Law and uh, with the Mistborn trilogy of, I, I know the main character knew who his ancestor was, but it's kind of that it wasn't like that because that was what 500 years difference on that one quite a few yeah so yeah the the humans they do remember who their ancestors is yeah are and english good i like how 
I guess this was kind of a highlight for me was I like how things have evolved with the Benaline because, you know, they swoop in as the saviors. And in this story, they are still fighting off the Kadashim. Like, it's mm. been a very long-going thing. It seems like they're winning. They haven't seen Kadashim in years, but we know they're still out there somewhere. Right. And so now they're saying, well, we want a tithe of citizens from all these areas to mm. come and train as warriors with us yeah. so that we can continue to fight them off. Now, on paper... That makes sense. Yeah. They're fighting off the demon hordes. But there, you know, there's really two things. One, it's been a while since most of the population has seen a Kadashim. Right. So the threat in people's minds is starting to fade. So they don't feel like these demons are a threat anymore. So mm-hmm. why do we need to be sending off our people to go train and be away from their families yeah, and all this? We, yeah. And also, the Benalim are really full of themselves. Oh, yeah. <laughs> just, to, Incredibly. Just, just to be uh, on the easy side of it, they are full of themselves. And, you know, different Benalim are to varying degrees right. of that egotism. Right. But they also kind of, as a whole, seem to forget what heritage means to humans. Like, these Benalim are angels. They've been around since the beginning of time. So they don't have the kind of passed down generational history that humans have. Yeah. So where they want people to come fight for them, but people want to go do this other thing because that means more to them and the immediacy, mm-hmm. the Benalim just don't understand that. So could you, could you definitely say that the humans are definitely now kind of seeing the Benalim as, as more conquerors than saviors. Now they're seeing them as those, they're not liking their rule. I think, that's kind of the case in this series a right. lot. Like where in the first series they were mostly portrayed, except towards the end in the last book, there was a bit of a plot twist that kind of changed it a little bit that kind of honestly almost hinted to something like this happening. I mm, think Yeah. just kind of looking back at it, I was like, okay, no, that, that makes a lot of sense how we got to this point. But you know, they, they're the angels they are supposed to be the force for good that yeah. comes in and saves the day and everything's shining and bright and happy. But then what happens after they've done that? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's how one of this. This book and then throw into all the mist. The demons are wreaking <laughs> havoc too. So there's just no winning. <laughs> Between a rock and a hard place, the angels and the demons. What the hell do we do? <laughs> exactly. So uh, that's that's and that's one thing I did I did like about the book. Um, honestly, I was the story and the characters were very bland to me. And but I can say I did enjoy that relationship that relationship between humans and the and the uh, Balahim. Uh, showing and like like we said, showing how things change after 137 years, and they're not there to save them anymore. They are now there, and they've been there, and they're obviously we're obviously superior to you. Not mm-hmm. not ultimately said, but we're obviously superior to you. So you need to listen to us, right? Kind of kind of relationship. Well, and when it started out, like I was kind of angry at the humans. Like, why are you fighting this? Yeah. They, they literally <laughs> fought off the demons for you. They, they saved your ass. But like, it's been what? It's yeah. been a couple months for you, 137 years for them. Exactly. <laughs> right. Exactly. So they're, you know, human memory fades over time. It does a little bit. And I, so once I realized that, I was like, okay, that is something that's in that, this theme. I can definitely get into that. What is that? 137 years. That's roughly what a generation and a half. Uh, no, because like some of the characters like Drim mm-hmm. and Cullen, mm-hmm. like uh, the, his character, I guess Cullen's great grandfather was the one in the original series. Okay. So that's what three generations. Hmm. They had they had babies young. Not really. 
Three generations? Yeah, 137 years. So that's, I mean, even considering yeah. they started having babies right as they popped okay, out. Okay, Then you yeah. give it 20, 25 years for okay. them to have babies and so on Okay, and so I can say, yeah, I'm, I was thinking, like, live to be 80, 90. And that's, I was adding yeah. on each person there. No, that they're means- not having babies at 80 <laughs> or 90. Let's go, honey. No. Um. <laughs> okay, they might be trying. <laughs> well, yeah. They are human. Um, okay, no, yeah, three generations, I guess, does make sense. That 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 fits. Yeah, that, that fits within that. Time yeah, period. so it's three generations that haven't seen the all-out war, right? With the demons, like you know, the first generation or two, yeah, maybe saw a lot, but now the Kadashim have kind of faded to the background. Well, I mean, that kind of fits, not necessarily fits, but a kind of a good example is our grandparents saw World War Two, right? And, and we, it's just a history thing for us. It's just a history thing for us, and we don't know what that was like going through those. I mean, we have had our own war, but it's not the same. Right. It's not the same it's, as what It's the, a different situation. Yeah, so it's it's something that we can't comprehend. Um, I guess we can comprehend, but you know what I mean. We can comprehend on a scholarly level. Right. But we'll never, never live through it. No, yeah. Yeah. We've had our own events, but it's different. Yeah. 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 And it would take something equally horrific to happen to us directly to truly understand. True. And I, and that's what's going on in this series is they haven't lived through mm-hmm. the demons con- constantly. Just stories. Killing everything. Exactly. It's yeah. stories. It's history now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So that was honestly the biggest plus for me with this book. The angels. Yeah. Was, yeah. That, that dynamic there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Unfortunately, the characters just didn't do much for me. I I and I'm bad with names, but I was having a tough time trying to before we came on the podcast. I was trying to remember who was who because, mm-hmm. like you said, they're bland. They're all like Sig's the only one that really stood out to me, and that's because she was the seven year, seven hundred year old giant. Uh, but the others, I don't remember a whole lot about. Yeah, Sig, and I had kind of the same issue with most of the giants in the original series. Like mm-hmm. the characters, the personalities just don't jump out to me. You think they're just too much based on giant well like, i mean like, that's their personality like sig you know you could describe her as very loyal mm-hmm. she's very strong mm-hmm. she's intelligent and those are all good qualities but they also don't make for a very complex character right not as interesting of a character right right um now i think that riv maybe had a little bit more going for on complexity a little bit yeah um especially there towards the end with some things that happened to the end i did completely <laughs> predict her storyline <laughs> just so you know and obviously no spoilers but yeah it, it's incredibly it was, predictable as we were talking about that before the podcast <laughs> and it was just kind of a yeah that's why like we why? know <laughs> no, we got there like 200 pages ago <laughs> So I, I felt like she had a little bit more going on because she is very loyal to the Ben Aleem, but things happen at the end and then she learns some things about her own situations. Like, yeah. should you really be doing that, Riff? <laughs> should right. you really? Right. But she's been raised to wholeheartedly just trust and believe and have faith in them. Mm-hmm. So yeah. that's her character. And then, like I said, things happen. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> things <laughs> Um, yeah, I could definitely agree with that, that the characters just don't, they don't jump out. And then I talk about this probably every podcast. I'm a very character driven mm-hmm. reader. I want a book that has great characters. One of the reasons I loved, you know, the Red Rising trilogy was because the characters were the main focus. The characters were so well thought out. Uh, and not that these characters weren't well thought out, just none of their characteristics jumped. Like none right. of them, like 
I mean, they all had their differences, but nothing set them apart from other generic fantasy yeah. tales. Because another thing I compare it to is Kings Kings of the Wild, while each of the main characters are a stereotype, mm-hmm. they're all still unique in their own way. Like, they're all... They're, they're also written to be stereotypes. Exactly. And that exactly. makes a difference. And, and yeah, that's true. Um, but that's, while they're written to be stereotypes, they all have their unique personality of why right. I love each one. Right. And this one, it was all kind of, all right, you're character A, character B, character C, and yeah. these are your problems. And that's what it felt like. I mean, yeah, and then there was Drim. Mm-hmm. Drim was another one that, I, again, I liked his story. And I think that, again, his character had some complexity to it. The story was pretty predictable. Yeah. I kind of saw where things were going mm-hmm. a mile away. Yeah. But I, I liked him as a person. I just couldn't get too <laughs> invested in him as a character. Right. Yeah. I, I can agree with that. Yeah. And uh, what was the other? The other point of view character was, was Bleda. Bleda. Yeah. Um, we didn't see very much of him, honestly. Like, we did mm-hmm. towards the beginning, but then it kind of shifted toward Riv's perspective a little bit more. Right. There's just, just not yeah. a whole lot to say about them. Yeah. They just weren't. Wasn't much to them. Yeah. Unfortunately. I, I don't feel like very many of them were overly complex yeah and i know so many people love this series so i, I feel <laughs> awful going I didn't, you know i didn't really like it so much when it's and i think it's it's not as much it's not as much we didn't like them it's more of they just didn't seem to do much they didn't like, jump off the page for no me. they they didn't there i didn't feel a connection with them i didn't right. feel like a you know this is why i'm rooting for this character it's just kind of a yeah you're a character you're this is your story okay mm-hmm. like there wasn't that I want to know what happens to this guy. I hope he gets through it, or I hope she gets through it. I hope she, you know, kills the bad guy. And it just didn't didn't have that. And part of it was because so much of it was so predictable for me. Like, I knew exactly where so many things were going. There right. were maybe one or two twists that I didn't quite see coming. Right, right. And um, I don't know. Yeah, at the end of the day... Uh, and I was reading a couple other reviews, especially there's quite a few authors. Like, I know Mark Lawrence reviewed this book. Mm-hmm. Yeah, quite, quite a few have reviewed it and really enjoyed it. Um, one thing I was seeing was that the twists were pretty predictable. Like people could see them coming from a wall away. And I could agree with that, that the hints throughout may have been a little heavy handed. Yeah. Just a little heavy handed on the hints. So, um, one thing I'll say this, I've said it for all of the faithful and the fallen books. Hmm. This is a book that if you just love high fantasy, high and epic fantasy, and you just want to read some high and epic fantasy. That's what it then, is. Yeah, that's what this is. Yeah. Uh, the first series especially, I felt like was homage to the great fantasy series, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, of the 90s and such, the 80s right. and 90s that, you know, now it's kind of, oh, what's the next big thing? What's doing something different? I I felt like this book was homage to the roots of fantasy. Yeah, I, I can definitely I, de- I can definitely say that I think both of us enjoyed the setup and the idea of the story and what was going on. Um, but like with the characters, maybe just wasn't executed right. I don't know if it wasn't executed right. I don't know if that's okay. Right. So may, yeah, maybe that's not right. Maybe more of the characters. I don't know. Should, the yeah. characters just didn't have enough personality. Yeah. Okay. They yeah. had just enough personality to carry the story forward, mm-hmm. and that was about it. Yeah, and maybe and maybe that was not necessarily not enough personality was on purpose, but like you said, maybe it was an homage two older fantasies and so the author was trying to match that and trying well, to keep I don't that know feel about that because several older fantasies i mean are known for having great characters oh yeah i mean you look at lord of the rings right yeah so i don't i don't know why it was i don't know if it was <laughs> unfortunately we're purpose. not psychic yeah unfortunately i'm not psychic 
I enjoyed <laughs> some aspects of the book, but just overall. Mr. Gwynn, if you'd like to come on and talk to us, we would love to talk to you about it. Heck yeah. Yeah. We would love to. <laughs> we would love, love to. to. Love, love the whole angels idea. Yeah. The, yeah, the Benelim and yeah. the human dynamic. Yeah. Uh, and then, great. you know, the Kaddishim making everything worse. Yeah. Yeah, that that's great. Mm-hmm. I guess I guess we'll see. I think I will read the next book. Yeah. I read all the Faithful and the Fallen books. I will read the next book because even with the first series, like I, the, with Malice, the first book, I was like, yeah, all right. It's, it's good enough that I'll continue. And then as the series went on and some of the relationships deepened a little bit, mm-hmm. I started to get more into the story. So right. Um, maybe we'll see the same thing happen with this series. Right. Hopefully. Hopefully. Yeah. I guess that's about Ooh. all we've got to say. What would you rate this book, Greg? For me, I guess on our rating scale, it's very much a, a meh. I'd say maybe a five. Um, I definitely give it props for the angel-human relationship. Um, but beyond that, bland characters make a boring book for me. I'm kind of going with about a 6 out of 10. Yeah. I just, like I said, maybe, but it's maybe pretty get, much the exact same reason. I may, really enjoyed that Benalim dynamic, but just I couldn't get into it. Maybe get better. If the book's, like, because I know you talked about with, like, Red Rising. You read the third book, and it made the whole series so much right. better. Maybe it'll be the same way with this one. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's very possible. It, right. I liked it enough to keep reading the series. Yeah. I, I'd, I'll probably check it out podcast style but on my off time, probably not. I do had one little cool thing, and this okay. isn't 100% book related, but I want people to go see it. Go watch Black Panther. Oh, yes. Because I think you went and saw it as well. Yes. Yeah, you did. Fantastic movie. One of my favorite bad guys in Marvel. Really? Yeah, oh, yeah, 100%. His backstory and everything and his reasons mm-hmm. for fighting, I love his story, and I love his reasons for fighting. So <laughs> There were a couple of funny, funny parts that would happen, and in the theater I was in, there was an old guy somewhere else that everyone else was kind of, <laughs> that's funny. You just hear him go, ha! <laughs> he did it like three times throughout the movie. <laughs> Next week, Next moving week. on, I yeah. think we are going to be reading, and we're way behind on this, but we'll yeah. be reading The Court of Broken Knives by Anna Smith Sparks. Would you say the book has lost its edge? Really? Broken Knives. Are you for real right now? <laughs> yes. I, I can't even. <laughs> How long were you holding that in? It's about halfway through the review I thought of it. Because <laughs> I knew we were going to talk about that at the end, and I went... I want to do some kind of pun. Broken knives, no edge. Got it. <laughs> oh. oh, that's Ba-do-dum. painful. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I'm looking forward to it. Just reading the um, the description makes the book seem really interesting. Okay. So that's what we're going to be reading next week. If you would like to tell us how wrong we are about A Time of Dread. Please do. Or any other thoughts that you have. Was there something that we missed? Definitely let us know. You yep. can find us on Twitter at BookGeeksUNC. That's where I tend to be the most active. Yep. We'll but block you. I, I haven't blocked anybody yet. I'm just, I'm just <laughs> saying, if you tell us we're wrong, I will block you. Yeah, probably not. Yeah. But Greg can. Daniel overrule un- me. Yeah, she'll I'll, over- over- she'll I'll unblock me. you. Um, anyways, Facebook, you can find us at 2BookGeeksUNC, oh. Instagram at BookGeeksUncompromised, or you can email us at BookGeeksUNC at gmail.com. I'll block you on all those two. If you do <laughs> want to check out this book, uh, which I would recommend, especially if you read The Faithful and the Fallen and enjoyed it, I yeah. would recommend oh, reading yeah. this. There will be links in the show notes as well as on our review 
to go check that book out on Amazon, Book Depository, and Barnes and Noble. If you do purchase the book through one of those links, that helps us out quite a bit. And don't forget, uh, we also want to thank Audible for sponsoring the podcast. Uh, and if you do like audiobooks, uh, I listened to audiobook for this one, and the narrator was was great, was perfectly fine, no complaints. So if you want to check it out in that way, please go to Audible. And that does it for this week. Uh, join us next week to read The Court of Broken Knives. Ooh. Hug your librarian. <laughs>